Welcome back, everyone, for another edition of the Emmanuel Baptist Church podcast. As you can tell, we have yet to come up with a clever name. So if you have something, we'd love to hear from you um, so that maybe we can make this a little bit cooler and a little bit more trendy and a little bit more relevant. Um, Actually, it's pretty relevant. So uh, today, we actually have a different type of podcast than what we've been doing. And we're going to talk a little bit about the sermon from yesterday. uh, But mostly what we want to do is since today is election day, uh, we want to spend some time talking about the election. Now, if this, if you're listening to this a couple of days after the election, um, all of this is still relevant. Um, I will give you a spoiler. We are not going to tell you how to vote, but we're going to give you um, just some things to think about really as we go into this voting um, season. So, with that, let's introduce our pastor, Todd. How are you doing today? I'm good, Aaron. How are you doing today, man? I'm I'm doing well. Doing well. Um, good. Man, it was a cold uh, cold week last week. Yes, it was. We've been chainsawing today, helping out people in our church who need help with limbs. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Um, and for those of you who don't know, um, just for the sake of transparency, uh, our pastor has a new addiction uh, to chains- chainsawing. Um, yes. So. I have an addiction and it's chainsawing. Got that I got a big chainsaw out there today and man it was I couldn't stop. I just wanted to cut everything I could find. So hey, just real quick, in light of Halloween, I'm just curious. We might, I don't think we talked about this last week. Um, but I'm gonna go ahead and ask you what what in your mind is the best Halloween candy? Oh the best Halloween I don't or, or know. Or maybe just candy overall. It's it's Snickers or Mr. Goodbar. Oh, I mean I, I understand Snickers, you know, I I would think like the best Halloween candy would probably be a Reese's. Um, now, personally, I love anything that's sour. Aaron, do you want to know the best candy in the world? Is this your dad joke for the week? No. Oh, okay. I'm going to tell you right now. Okay, what is it? Well, this this can this can replace the dad joke. Okay, it's okay. not a joke, but here's the best candy in the world. Best candy in the world is in this little town in Texas, on the way to where our daughter goes to college in Mississippi. And now I'm trying to remember the name of the town, and I've drawn a big blank. But it's a gas station, and there's a Fuzzy's Taco Shop in this gas station. And uh, anyway, it is a peanut patty kind of praline thing. Oh yeah, gross! It's pink. Yeah, I know exactly. Sold. It's in the shape of Texas. It's the best thing you've ever eaten. I promise you. Speaking of Texas, um, man, what? Oh, I think the city is Paris, Texas. By the way. Okay. But speaking of Texas, what an awful loss by the Cowboys on let's Saturday. Let's just move on. Move yeah, on. Yeah. Okay. So um, let's just jump right in. So Sunday morning, we spent some time talking about um, the importance of time as we looked a little bit more at the resurrection of, of Lazarus. Uh, so we just want to kind of jump in and rather than summarizing the sermon, if you missed it, we just encourage you get on the podcast, watch it, or go to our website and watch it there. Um, but when we talk about time and, and Christianity, one thing that we notice is the way um, Christianity kind of relates to time, unlike other faiths. And so um, that that statement may not make too much sense for the listener. So Todd, kind of flesh out what I'm trying to Yeah, so basically the gist of the Sermon Sunday was they're on their way to heal Lazarus, and he's going to teach the disciples, and basically says you've only got so much time left and then we need to walk in the light not in the dark but 
all around in that, and in John's entire gospel is an emphasis on time. So he likes to use the word time. He likes to use the word hour. John likes to link events of Jesus's life to events that are going on. Uh, you know, Jesus does this, and it was the Jewish Passover. Jesus does this, and it was the Feast of Dedication. Jesus does this, it was the Feast of Tabernacles, that kind of thing. Also makes me think about Luke's gospel, Luke's, uh, Luke writing Acts. Um, he is a historian, yeah. and he links things. You know, he says, and so-and-so was the governor of this, and the— the pro-council of this and that kind of thing. So my whole point on that is Christianity is a historical religion. Mm -hmm. It is linked to things in time, which means that we cannot wholly interpret Scripture or or Christianity, you know, as just uh, uh, metaphorical or mythological. It's none of that. These, These are actual real people. These are real events. They happened in real time. And so because they are real and historical, that means they are true. These aren't just something that was made up by somebody Mm -hmm. down the road. And so I think that's a very important thing as we understand Christianity, the historical nature of it. And and real quick, too, just even the beginning of it in in, in the Bible, the first 11 chapters of Genesis, we we have to believe in the historicity of that you know noah's flood is not just some metaphorical thing adam is not some metaphorical person these are real people and real events and it's crucial to our understanding of christianity absolutely um so kind of to shift gears and really spend some time uh talking about what's going on in our nation today with the election um i just got a couple of questions that i want to kind of ask you pick your brain about and let you kind of share so yesterday in your sermon uh, you explained about how your job isn't to ever endorse a political candidate, and you know we don't preach politics from the pulpit. Uh, but at the exact same time, as Christians, we are called to be in the world while not being of the world. So how do we understand how believers or how you speak about political issues without maybe endorsing a specific candidate or a political party? Yeah, that's a tough one. I I think we we speak to issues and not just about politics or parties, and especially cultural issues. You know, I I think we can speak about abortion. Uh, We can speak about gay marriage. We can speak about a number of moral issues and we can completely remove them from any kind of political context because to me these are issues that the scripture you know clearly is talking about and so i, I can talk about abortion uh and and not have to pin that to a republican or a democratic or a libertarian independent platform here it is in the scripture so i think sticking with what the scripture is clearly teaching is a very important part of that yeah yeah that's so good so um if we if we pulled not just our church but i think all christians um in general and if we ask them do you put your faith in a political candidate or party over jesus all of them would say no and, it, and they mean well. They're not lying to us. But I think sometimes, unknowingly, we have put our faith in a political party or political candidate. So what are some telltale signs or some symptoms that maybe I put my faith in a certain mm-hmm. candidate rather than in Jesus? Um, okay. Here, here, here's how I think I'd answer that. You know, what am I putting my hope in? What am I putting my confidence in? Or who am I putting my hope and my confidence in? 
Um, I really like what Russ Moore, Russ Moore's kind of phrase that he uses is wringing the hands. And if we find ourselves wringing our hands over a Supreme Court nomination or wringing our hands over the outcome of an election, then I think probably that means we have put too much confidence or too much hope or faith in someone other than Jesus. I think we need to be involved in the political process as Christians. Like you said, we are salt and light. We need to bear our influence on the policies that shape and direct our nation. We need to do that. But at the same time, at the end of the day, we are serving someone greater than a politician. I I am the citizen of a country that's greater than the United States, Mm -hmm. heaven. You know, I'm, I'm looking for something greater. That's my hope, my confidence. And so whatever is the outcome of an election, I don't want to wring my hands about that. I don't want to have this apocalyptic panic. Oh, this is the end of the world because some political, you know, uh, election, uh, when we get to that kind of frantic state of mm-hmm. mind, I think now we have lost sight of the sovereignty of God. Yeah. And it doesn't mean we shouldn't be involved, and it doesn't mean we shouldn't be concerned. It doesn't mean we shouldn't, you know. But at the end of the day, if I kind of lose my mind, if I get frantic over over something that's the outcome of an election – um, we have to be very careful about that mm-hmm. and trusting in God's sovereignty. And, you know, maybe in God's sovereignty, a certain person was to be elected. And yeah. uh, this is how he's going to use that to help shape Christians and shape the church. Yeah, yeah. And I was talking to someone recently kind of about that where, yes, the Lord does appoint people. But as believers, we always have to be careful about saying that God has appointed this person for good or this person mm-hmm. to punish us. Like, we we honestly don't know. We just trust that the Lord is in control and sovereignly working mm-hmm. in the election, everything right. else that takes place. Yeah, and, and you know, Paul says that. We, we, we submit to authorities because God has placed them in yeah. our lives. And there's definitely a sense of God's sovereignty as Paul writes that and understanding at the end of the day, God is the one who's masterminding all of this. Yeah, yeah. So um, here's the big one, and here's the question that I think will might get you some emails in case you haven't gotten enough emails this week. But I think it's huh. good for us to answer. Um, so I'm just going to be blunt and be just open about it. Can I be a Christian and still vote Republican or – can I be a Christian and still vote Democrat? Yeah, the, you know that's a that's a tough one. Um, I, I think the answer is yes. You know, you can be a Christian and vote however your mm-hmm. conscience dictates. I think we need to be careful that our conscience is being driven, is being shaped and formed by a proper understanding of Scripture. Now, we as Christians are going to disagree on that. You know, obviously. Uh, I, I think to answer that, Aaron, I, I have been fascinated this past week or so by the article by John Piper mm-hmm. and then the article by Al Mohler. And Piper doesn't come out and say it, but what he seems to imply is that he's going to vote for Biden. And the reason for that is because of the moral argument that he can't vote for someone like Trump because someone who is immoral, someone who has that kind of character, brings about the destruction of a nation. And if you read the article by Piper, he makes a pretty Mm -hmm. strong biblical case for what he's arguing. But Mueller comes back and says, 
uh, makes it an equally biblical case. But Mueller has an interesting insight on it. It's like he says, if I were voting for my next door neighbor, I would vote for Biden. Mm-hmm. You know, because because in his words, he says, I couldn't handle the tumult of having Trump as my neighbor. But what Mueller says is, uh, you have to put the policies of the party ahead of the character of the candidate. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's another, I think we could say, a valid interpretation of what the Scripture is teaching us. So yeah. my point is, here's two very godly men. Not, not just godly, but, but two honestly but, similar men theologically yes, and ideologically. Yes, conservative, yes. But, but very good scholars mm-hmm. of the Word of God that, that have come to different conclusions. And so I think that's why you know I say you, you go in that poll and you vote your conscience – as it is dictated by Scripture. Yeah, yeah. And we have to keep in mind as the church that we we need to maintain unity. Yes, there are things that will disrupt our unity, and that comes to our view of Jesus Christ and salvation, but the way we vote shouldn't disrupt that. And as we gather mm-hmm. on Sundays and Wednesdays and, the, and throughout the week, we keep in mind that my brother and sister who votes differently mm-hmm. than me is still my brother That's and sister. That's right. That's right. And that goes back to the whole – uh, you know, why I don't endorse a candidate. And I even mentioned Sunday, it wasn't too long ago in our church, you had two different people running for the same political office. So if I'm endorsing candidates, obviously you have the whole uh, tax issue, yeah. tax exemption issue. But, uh, you know, if I endorse a candidate and I have another person in our church that's running for the same, I mean, what's that just going to do to the unity mm-hmm. of our church? But it goes back to what you said, we were talking about earlier about we don't want to get hung up on politics and cause this division because we need to be focusing on Jesus. We need to be focusing on the gospel. These are the things that unite us, and that's where our focus needs to be, mm-hmm. and not on these other things that, that quite frankly, are tertiary when compared to yeah. the person of Jesus in the gospel. Yeah, yeah. So let me ask you one more question, just kind of thinking beyond um, the election today or yesterday, a few days ago, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, what what can we do as believers in the days ahead? So you mentioned yesterday in your sermon that you know it's not the Christians' vote that makes a difference; it's our witness that makes a difference. So so how can we pray, or what are some other things that we can do um, after we get the results? Yesterday, yeah. or maybe a month from now, we don't know when it's going to be actually called with all this stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I think our vote can make a difference. That's why we vote. Yeah. But, but, but what what I was mentioned in the sermon, I think, is is critical in this. Is in a functional sense, the only the, the reason we even talk about politics is we want to change people's minds. Mm-hmm. Why do people make political posts on Facebook and Twitter? Because they want to, they, they they want to try to change people's minds, and of course the old the funny joke is, you know, hey, I changed my political persuasion when I read your post. Said no one ever. Yeah. But politics is about change, mm-hmm. and so the greatest way to change a person is to change their mind about Jesus and and the Scripture. Mm-hmm. And if you can change someone's mind about Jesus and the Scripture, if they were formerly opposed to it or formerly didn't care about it, and they come and they, they, they become followers of Jesus and lovers of his word, if they're loving Jesus and obeying and loving the word, the politics thing is going to fall in yeah. line. And, uh, you know, I have said before in sermons, look, 
if I got up and just all I ever did was preach about abortion or all I ever did was preach about whatever the moral issue is, Mm -hmm. and over time, let's say I changed your mind about that. Let's say you were pro-choice, and I I, I hammered and hammered and hammered, and you became Mm pro-life. When you stand before God as your judge in eternity one day, What's gonna What's gonna What's gonna allow for you to have eternal life is not whether you had changed your thinking about abortion. Yeah, it's about your commitment to Jesus. Yeah, and so I think that's that's what we do. So, in the aftermath of an election, regardless of who wins, um, our job as Christians is to really be goes back to the sermon intentional about the time we have been given mm-hmm. to walk in the light to be salt and light in our corner of the world. Yeah. I think that's what we've got to do. Rather than making a whole bunch of political posts, we need to be trying to spend our energy and our focus in reaching our community, reaching our corner of the world with the gospel mm-hmm. and being an example of what it looks like to be someone who loves and follows Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's so good. Um, so yeah, that, that I mean, that's pretty much what we got today. And um, if you're listening at home, we, we want you to know that we're praying for you. We know this is a difficult um, time for some of us as we just really try to wrap our minds around um, what we should do when we go to the um, the polls today. Um, and so uh, know that we're praying for you, know that we're here for you, but our ultimate prayer is that what we do every day brings honor and glory to the Lord. And no matter what happens uh, in this election, we know that Jesus is still in control. Um, he's still on his throne, um, and so we want to do what we can to bring honor and glory to him. Um, so just a couple of things to remind you all of coming up. We have a big weekend coming up with our, for our student ministry. So be praying that the Lord works in that event. And then also be on the lookout for our summer schedule, including a, sum, a, a summer, summer schedule, a Christmas schedule. Um, you see where my mind's at. Uh, a Christmas schedule. Uh, that's coming up. Um, we, we are also going to be releasing a Christmas devotional, um, kind of get our hearts ready for um, celebrating the birth of Jesus. So um, thank you all so much for listening today. Um, we would love for you, again, if you have not listened to our sermon, uh, to just get back on the podcast or go to our website and listen to that. So with that, uh, we're praying for you, and we look forward to worshiping with you this Sunday. Have a great week. <laughs>